Today is Sunday, January 7th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 553 features the Athletics' Jared Weiss. And I'm Evan Valenti, and today's show is powered by FanDuel and Factor Meals. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston. New customers receive 150 bucks in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. And head to FactorMeals.com slash Celtics50. Use the code Celtics50 to get 50% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a new and new year. New edition of Celtics Beat here. It is, uh, wow, it's 2024. Where does the time go? I, I guess it being January 7th, I... I'm obliged to say Happy New Year, but uh, I don't know for how much longer, guys. Jared Weiss is here from the Athletic. Evan Valenti. I, this, this is a this is that debate that people have each and every year. How long can a person say Happy New Year to somebody else before you're just sort of annoying? Like Larry David would tell us on Curb that that the the ship has sailed. Like you got to be done with that by. I don't even know. By the time the clock strikes January 2nd, it's over. It's done. I used to be one of those people that maybe not in person or over the phone or whatever, but in emails, if I was reaching out to someone I hadn't talked to in a while, like I'd happy new year until like the start of February, man. I held on. I let that thing go. But I feel like a weekend is this is about the wrap up point, isn't it? Yeah, no, I'd say so. Just only because it's the first time I've seen either of you since 2024 happened. I'll allow it. That's that's where I'm at. No, listen, the United States government has uh, implicitly given us the answer, which is that oh. a holiday can be referenced up until the next holiday. So you can say Merry Christmas until it's New Year's. You can say Happy New Year's until MLK Day. Once you get MLK Day, the New Year's over. You have to respect MLK Day. If you I, if you say Happy MLK Day to me, I will shake your hand. If you say Happy New Year's to me, I will slap you across the face. So please yeah, that's what I was going to have. Do I at that point wish people a Happy MLK Day? Do people do that? I don't know. They should, right? It's an important holiday. People should be happy about oh, it. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of those, like, I mean, do you say, like, you don't say, like, happy Veterans Day. You say thank you for your service. But you say thank you for the... your service on MLK Day, then. True. Yeah, I think we're the three wrong people debating this particular topic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just don't know if the three, three I, white guys I, I don't on the podcast I think we should do a solid 40 minutes debating this very topic. <laughs> Listen, happy holidays, everybody. There we yes. go. Yes, perfect. <laughs> Thank you to everybody. How long do we say happy Kwanzaa? Thank you to everybody for hanging out here with us, obviously. We greatly appreciate it. Like I said, Adam Kaufman, Evan Valenti, Jared Weiss, and uh, same old Celtics, but I say that in the best possible way. This team, much as it was the last time we spoke, the number one team in the NBA in terms of standings, still undefeated at home, coming up on the midway point of the season in terms of the home record, 17-0 at this point in time, and going back to the very first week of November, so it's been months, this team has not lost consecutive games, and oftentimes is even putting together long winning streaks, including on back-to-backs, even when travel is involved. We are just, this team quite frankly, is pleasantly surprising me, doing more than, I, I wanted to say like meeting expectations, it's doing more than meeting expectations on uh, virtually a nightly basis at this point, Jared. I don't know what your expectations were for this group coming into 
the season. I was going to say the year, but it's a new year, right? Coming into the season, what your expectations were. And I know there was a whole lot of like title or bust and it's all about Banner 18. That's all well and good. That's not really what I mean. What I mean is, you know, like we, in my mind, we're going to get to that point eventually. But I don't think, in fact, I, I don't even want to hedge on this. I definitely did not see it coming together as well as it has, as, you know, the cohesiveness being as sharp as it is, all of it, with what we've seen so far through, you know, what, what's it been, 35 games, 28 and 7, just as quickly as it happened. I figured there would be some more bumps along the way integrating what is in, in many ways, in terms of top-end personnel, a new group. I would put them at the 86th percentile of my expectations coming into the year. Um, okay. Because they could, they could have gone undefeated. I, I think that was within the realm of possibility. <laughs> it was unlikely, I guess, but like they're still undefeated at home. That's we're almost halfway through the year. That's insane. Um, they like for, okay for me. The only things that are not up to the best case scenario standard would be the Jays still aren't shooting above league average from deep. And they're both, I think they're both having great years. I think they are having probably their best seasons of their career. They are still ascending up towards their peak. They are still growing as creators. Both of them are defending better this year. Uh, so they've been really good. Porzingis, I think, has been exactly what you wanted. He's been super effective and efficient on both ends. He's been hurt persistently, but it hasn't been anything serious. So I think that's basically the most ideal outcome for what you could have gotten out of KP. Derek White, you know, obviously NBA MVP, like, you know, what is there to say at this point? He's the best player of all time. And then it's really Drew Holiday, I think, is the first place you go to where you're like, there's still more to unfold here. Drew is – Drew doesn't fit right yet. Drew's been really good. The team has been great with him out there. He just doesn't have a clear fit yet. And I'm starting to wonder if he will. And it's not that there's an issue – so much as that maybe it's the nature of when you put a player like him, who's a very, very unique, distinct player, like one of the more unique players in the NBA, really in our in our, our time. Where, how do you fit a player like that into a team that really already has everything? Like we're seeing, you know, Drew kind of had clearer roles in Milwaukee because they didn't have that many high-level offensive players. So it's like pretty clear, put the ball in his hands, he's going to create in a lot of different ways. And in Boston, they, on offense at least, they don't need him. Like, there's nowhere where they actually, like, don't have someone that can do what he can do. He is a complete luxury. It kind of reminds me of Malcolm Brogdon last year, where I think we had trouble figuring out how valuable is Malcolm Brogdon because he's pretty much the exact player that they wanted him to be. But just, like, there's not really, there aren't that many games where you're like, how would they win this game without Malcolm Brogdon? Like, they always had a way to, like, he was the guy that put them over the top. And if he stayed healthy in the playoffs, maybe they would have stayed over the top. Um, you know, with Drew, I'm watching him out there on offense, and I'm like, where does this guy, like, where does this guy find his rhythm in the game, when are the moments where he can actually like go to the shot? What is his go-to shot? It, there's a few where I'm like, you know, maybe his baseline attacks get to that lefty hook, a couple elbow pull-ups, stuff like that. Maybe that's a shot. But I think Drew Holiday's still trying to figure out when and where on offense do I really make myself known? And you know, based on people I've talked to, I, I don't know if that's really even going to be a part of his game at this point of his career. I don't think he wants it. I don't think he needs it. The question is, what happens when the Celtics need it from him? And 
that'll be an interesting one to see because that that question might not get asked until deep in the playoffs if Derek White stays healthy, if the Jays both stay healthy. Yeah, what a luxury. And it's like on the other side, though, the defensive stuff with him has just been unbelievable, the way they've deployed him. I think it was – is it Kalen Cooper that covers the Pacers, I think? Is it, yeah, I think she's, yeah, she's really one of the best analysts in the league. She's yeah. amazing. And she had a bit uh, yesterday – this is a recording Sunday, so this was Saturday during – it was right after the game – about how the Celtics deployed Drew Holiday in their two-three zone. It's just like this, just chaos creator all over oh, the place. I was going to write a story about this tomorrow, but no, uh, well, she, really she ruined be, it. Well, I, to, to testament to her, she's really. I'm not surprised at all. She's really, you know, she's on top of her stuff. She's amazing. If you don't follow her, she's uh, she's incredible. I'm going uh, to Twitter Aaron, right you now. Can, you can dive more into this a little bit, but like the way they've deployed him defensively is extremely unique and like some people try and make it to be oh it's just like rob williams but instead of rob williams roaming it's drew holiday and you know part of that is true but part of that is drew doing some other high level stuff because of his 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 basketball iq on the defensive side to really screw up things and really jam things and the way boston rotates and recovers around that is also extremely unique so maybe you want to talk more about again the offensive stuff with drew maybe hasn't been ideal but I think the defensive fit is like just funny to watch because he just he just creates chaos out there uh, whenever they really need to. It's amazing stuff. Yeah, I, I think on defense, Joe is still in the experimenting phase where you know they started the season, and this is how I think it's gone every year with the Celtics. Like changes to the system. First twenty games is about getting that system locked down. Then the next 30 games is about what are the other types of systems we can run? What's new stuff we can toy around with so that the stretch run, we're kind of locking that down and then we're ready for the playoffs. And so, you know, last night in this game, the Celtics ran, it's a, it's a 2-3 zone technically. It's really more of a 2-1-2, kind of a little different than what Cleveland would do with Evan Mobley. Was that last year or two years ago? I, can't, I guess it was probably last year. But they were having Drew do actually you know bam out of bio did a lot of this last few years where he would be on the nail in the middle it's like you know like picture like a dice with you know the five of the dice that dot in the middle and he's not just holding down that middle line there he is everywhere he can move all the way up and down just like imagine like a t-shape and he's just able to go as far as he wants across the court in that and it's it's a it's a kind of principle that Drew that Drew's been doing throughout the season where he'll just kind of randomly take plays where he has a matchup that's like kind of like a guy hiding in the corner and Drew's like I'm just going to play my own one man zone for the entire court and you'll see him sprint out to a shooter then recover and he's just going in these big L shapes across the floor trying to cover everything and it's something it's different than what Marcus Smart did because Marcus's game was less about about constant movement and more about putting himself into specific positions where he could just strike and he could just blow everything up. Drew, I think, is kind of closer to, like, he's, if Marcus Smart's one end of the defensive spectrum and Derek White is the other, where Derek is, like, not that physical, more about constant motion, floating around areas to be ready to pounce, while Marcus is really about picking a spot and really dominating that spot. And it's going to be somewhere where like the play's going to have to go through there. And he's going to use this physicality and his willingness to scrap on the floor to be able to make a play. And Drew is really kind of marrying those, both of those two identities. And you saw that in the zone that they were playing last night because 
like he he would literally cover every corner of the floor a lot of the time. He would be up on ball up top, then he would sink into the middle, and then he would drop all the way under the basket to cover like a big down under the rim. It's like he would play every position when you put him in that zone. And that zone probably can work because even if it's a zone and teams are like, we know how to twist the zone up so we can get the ball to an open shot, Drew is going to make a gamble at some point in every possession where he's going to sprint somewhere before the offense is ready to send the ball there, and he's going to stop that play. And then the question from there is, can the rest of the team know what to do behind him to deal with the risk that he just took to make sure that they don't get exposed on the back end? And earlier in the year, that was happening, and I think it's stopped. I think they're starting to figure it all out, and you're seeing their de- defensive numbers are skyrocketing again. Yeah, they held what Indiana their lowest their lowest offensive output of the season the other night, and that's and on the the back of a back to back, like that's not that's not nothing. I just want to point that out. They're just starting to really gel. And I, as much as you know, we want to talk about how fun they are on the offensive end. I do I do like the fact that this team is just more equipped, more focused on the defensive side of the ball, and can really you know they can they can string stops together. You know, they come back in that Pistons game. Down, you know, were they down 21, 19, whatever they were in that game? That starts the defense. Like, in order to string these big runs together, you got to do it on the defensive side. And, like, the ability to just shape shift a lot has been really kind of fun. Sorry, Adam, I cut you off, buddy. My bad. No, what was the, uh, what was the Will Hardy quote again? Uh, I, I know that you had asked about the best, it, Jared. the best part about their defense is their offense. It's a beautiful answer. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. When I asked Joe about it, he kept cutting me off being like, beautiful. Beautiful answer. It was, it was hilarious. <laughs> is it with Drew Holiday? I mean, not to sort of build in an excuse for the guy, but in terms of the offensive side and the fact that his numbers are where they are, and I think you know some of it looking a little as as you know you pointed out a, a little just uncertain at times, and w- what exactly is his you know go to X going to be and his fit Y and all of that stuff? You know, how much of it is is maybe just he is the what fifth scoring option when everybody is available on the floor i mean his numbers like his his shots are lower than they've been in his career since his rookie year and he's been in the league for basically a decade his points per game lowest since a rookie again well over a decade ago you know it, it just sort of seems like we had this conversation a lot at the start of the year with Jalen and in the early stages of Porzingis being there in the two-man game and it looked like Jalen was still trying to kind of find his way and he looked a little lost in the offense he obviously has largely figured it out Drew Holiday I think in some ways looks a little lost in the offense in terms of okay I've been a 20 point per game guy in this league like Malcolm Brogdon who you referenced before when he was here but he was brought in to be the sixth man Holiday is of course you know, someone that they look for even more from than Brogdon, but I, I suppose in a different way because, you know, from him, they, they look for it on both ends of the floor more so. But, you know, with Holiday, I, ju- I just kind of wonder if if he's out there to some degree. Floating isn't the right word for it because he's doing more than that, obviously. But, you know, I, I think he's just in more of a feel-out mode, and this is everybody else's show, and I'm going to, you know, pinch in, chip in where where I have my spots. But... You know, we're we're looking to Jason first, maybe Porzingis second, Jalen, Derek before me, then it's my turn. And and that's if, you know, somebody else isn't like Peyton isn't hot or Hauser isn't hot. So he's just he he almost needs to be a chameleon out there. Well, he's similar to Marcus Smart, right? Like it's it's ironic that he replaces him because he's probably the most similar player in the I guess the makeup of his game and that you know, especially at least on offense, it's like 
they're post players, they have a floater game in the paint, they don't really have much of a mid-range game, and they hit pull-up and spot-up threes. And so you're seeing Drew, you know, like the last year or two, Marcus moved to the point. And we didn't feel like he was lost in the offense anymore. But before that, he was a on-ball pick-and-roll playmaker who couldn't really shoot that well that was forced to play off-ball two combo guard. That was pretty much his entire career as the Celtics kept cycling through all NBA point guards that he would have to play next to. And you're seeing now that Drew is playing next to, dare I say, an all-NBA point guard in Derek White. Not really, but we'll get to that later, I'm sure. Um, he's He's stuck in that classic Marcus Smart role where he doesn't have – the number of touches or at least a n- number of like initiating action touches to be able to build a rhythm. And so I just, I just feel like with Drew, his game in Milwaukee, like it worked really well because he was thinking I got to play make first because I have the ball in my hands most of the time here. And then I'll just get shots naturally based on the decisions the defense makes. And so he's trying to play that same way, but because he's off ball, it's just like, you know, he's attacking at weird angles. He's like the, the play isn't set up for him to make the reads in the same way. And so I think he just gets more awkward shots. It just doesn't like he doesn't really ever take just normal pick and roll, step into a shot over a screen in the middle of the floor. Like those shots never really happen for him anymore. And so his the shot diet is different for him this year, and it's gonna take him a while to adjust to it. But I also just think that because of what we've seen in the past out of how it went for smart. He might not ever get to like 16 points a game, you know, 48% from the field, 39% from three. That just might not be happen for him. And I don't think he really cares about that. Yeah. And I, I think it's just, again, it gets back to how awesome the teammate that Drew is. You know what I mean? Everybody talks about how he's just the greatest teammate. You've heard guys in the locker room talk about how great he is just as a, as a guy to have in the locker room. And the one thing I think it's really important about Drew is he's the only guy in this team that's won a title. I think having mm-hmm. him here to go through some of the ups and downs that this team's eventually going to face. Like, I mean, it's been awesome. They're 28 and seven. It's been awesome, but there's going to be some times where things don't go well. If it's in the regular season, great. If it's in the postseason, a little more stressful, but having drew there as a guy to slow everybody down is going to be okay. I mean, it's like, it's just an insane luxury that drew holiday is just like their fifth best player or their sixth best player, depending how you view Al Warford right now. But he's just been he, – he's been yeah. really good. But to your point, Jared, there's still more to – you know, there's more to scratch off here. It's not just that he's fitting in well, but there's more to go. It's like with everybody. It's been fun to watch everybody kind of find their footing, Jalen especially. Um, you know, you, I think you're seeing a, a more confident Tatum now that the shot's going in a little bit more the past couple of games. You know, Derek White's just been on a heater for about three months now. Drew is kind of the final piece, and, and if they can get that – to a slightly better level. Again, it just gets back to like, they're just going to be more talented than everybody else, especially with their five guys. And, and if they're all moving and humming, it's like, yeah, the, the it's just a buzzsaw. And that's what I think if, if it weren't Drew Holiday, like, I don't know if it would work, but I have so much faith in Drew Holiday's just awesomeness to kind of find his niche and fit in with this group. Yeah, it's going to take some time, but I think it'll be, you know, by the time we get to the end of this thing, I think it'll be, just another thing they can use at their disposal at the end of games. But, you know, again, we'll see as we go here. Yeah, we know the Celtics are the betting favorites right now. We can uh, talk about what Brad Stevens may or may not do come the trade deadline or buyout market or anything else. But I think first we need to acknowledge that just as they are, they're pretty damn good. 
Yeah, they're pretty excellent, and we'll talk about their odds in just a little bit in terms of winning the title. But we're going to take another quick break. Today's show is powered by FanDuel. The NFL season, week 18, as we speak right now, going on, wrapping up. There's still more time, though. Playoffs are here to get on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bonus, uh, $150 bucks bonus bets. Win or lose, Kaufman. Win or lose. You don't even have to win anymore. This is getting way easier. And we look at, again, $5 winners all over the place. Again, if you again, this is tonight, so I can't really do it tonight. But if you were to do this tonight, looking at Clippers-Lakers, uh, Lakers at home, haven't looked great. Clippers looking excellent. I would just take that money line. Um, but let's do something for the people in terms of trying to get them something they could bet on for, you know, the upcoming uh, slate of games, you know, at post-Sunday here. Because there's some football to be played, obviously. There's, we're not done here yet. But if you go look into the future here, um, as I look at what FanDuel's got going on, we have a, a pretty big game coming up eventually here with uh, – it looks like Browns and Texans already has a line for their first playoff game next week. Browns Ooh. are minus one and a half. Is that true? Do you think that's true, Kaufman? We already have that done. Sure. Like I mean, if they, we already know the matchup. Yeah. yeah. Looks like it. Looks like Cleveland minus one and a half in Houston. Unbelievable. Uh, I like the Browns there minus one. Respect for Joe Flacco. I tell I'm, you, I'm, I'm all about the Joe Flacco thing. I'm I'm so into Joe Flacco and this resurgence. Like it's just just such dead energy. I think it's fantastic. So I, I'm going to take that. There will be a lot more going on too, obviously throughout the week. But make sure you get on the the action with FanDuel. The app is so easy to use. There's so many different ways to use it. Same game parlays. There's this new Explore tab. Trust me, you can find a whole bunch of stuff in there. Make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. And they give you recommendations, too. So much more to be explored at your fingertips of the FanDuel app. So visit FanDuel.com slash boss and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issues, Donald Trouble bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fandle.com. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or visit vandle.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 100NextStep or text NextStep to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9 with it in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 to visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 100gambler.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org, call 800-327-5054-247, support Massachusetts, or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. Or text Hope NY in New York. So, have you just made reference to Al Horford and and just uh, I mean, look how how amazing this guy is. It, it feels like you know, listening to Jason Tatum the other night, obviously, and you know, Porzingis gets hurt a couple of different ways. He's questionable for this upcoming game. Although, to Jared's point earlier, nothing seems overly serious, which is most important. But he goes out all of a sudden, you know, Horford takes on a, a larger role within that game and almost has a, a triple-double. 
and he's just the the ageless wonder out there. He continues to be great in in whatever moderation they are able to use him in because obviously they're doing their best to manage his workload as minutes keep him as fresh as possible for the duration of a long season hopefully a very long playoff run that lasts a couple of months into the early summer but Tatum once again almost to the point of being tired of talking about it he has said so many times Al Horford is my favorite teammate ever and just you know he's he's given the guy his flowers at every opportunity Jared you're often there if not asking the questions definitely uh, you know in, in in the room in the crowd and absorbing all of this just what does Horford mean to this team beyond what even fans may realize you know, I would point back to, uh, if you guys remember, like the top golf story from the conference finals last year. I did a feature on it. I think, you know, Forsberg, I think was the first person that reported on that. They were down 3-0. I think it was when they were down 3-0 in Miami. And they were like, they were ready to crumble. Like this was a disaster. And Horford was like, we're going to top golf. Let's not do film today. Let's do a group activity. Let's have some fun. And we all know how they went. They won three in a row. Game seven, who knows if JT doesn't hurt his ankle. I, I think Horford's, you know, when I need a quote about something big picture, I go to Horford. I think I did that last game. I asked him about, like, this team's ability to not lose these back-to-back, you know, second night of back-to-back games when the defense is completely disrupting you, like what was happening with Indiana, where, like, TJ McConnell flipped that game, and things are going poorly, and then O'Shea came in and started rebounding JT through those daggers, and boom, the game was blown open again. Horford is good at like seeing like what does that game mean in the big picture because he's been to the finals or to the end of the postseason what 75 times at this point so he just knows how the story goes and I think he's been really good over time and will be good about it this year of being the one to step in and be like I can see down the road why this moment's important why making a decision is important and I'm going to step in, I'm going to say something here. Because otherwise, he doesn't talk a lot. He's a by-example kind of guy. He goes about his business, and everyone can see that old man Al over there is just doing it, and it's working, and that's why he's 37, and he's still pretty damn good. And so his presence, I think, is more about his presence. It's not about specific stuff. It's really about just what does it mean when you see Al Horford in there doing things. And that's probably the biggest thing he brings to this team. But I'm wondering, I guess, has, you know, Al Horford's been here for a couple of different stints. So all told, he's been here for a while. And, you know, you covered him that entire time. And when he came in, it's it's important to remember, not that I need to remind you guys of this, but it's important to remember, like, Al Horford in his career, and he's a multiple-time All-Star, obviously a, a multiple-time champion in college. He's, you know, he's, he's always been a, a very well-respected teammate and player across the league he's never been a numbers guy like there were the people that were infuriated when he signed with boston at that time for anyone that remembers i mean he was the you know arguably the biggest name free agent that the celtics had ever signed to date you know given you know the balancing out like where he was in his career he was still in his prime he was 30 years old his you know, obviously the way he was paid, you know, the, the the next best thing was like Dominique Wilkins coming in at the very end of his career. And we know a lot has changed since there have been some more notable guys to sign since. But he kind of paved the way in the very early stages of this rebuild. But it, it just doesn't feel like as someone who has watched that whole time and followed that whole time, talked, you know, on, on this show and others that, that, uh, all the way through that 
he doesn't seem like he's changed. And the way that teammates talk about him, it doesn't seem like it's changed. Yes, he's he's not flirting with all-star spots. The minutes are down. The points, rebounds, all the stats are down because the role is minimized. He now comes off the bench. He doesn't start. But it sort of feels like in terms of importance to the team and all the different things that he brings, he's the same guy now at, like you said, 37 or 57 or whatever he is compared to the day that he walked through the door the first time. Well, that's because he's played like he's 40 years old since he was 23. So he didn't, <laughs> like he doesn't, he doesn't need to change his game. His game was already built for an old guy. Like he, he, I mean, the big difference with him is he was playing the, the pivot role on offense back in the day where they would run their actions through him at the top of the arc. Like that was, that was their offense initially. And he's, he's been taken out of that pretty much his entire second stint in Boston. And now he's really out of that role. He's really in more of a spot up role. And so there wasn't, there just, I think what's worked for him is that there hasn't been too much. He's had to change about the way he plays since he first got to Boston and really evolved himself into more of a perimeter guy instead of a high post guy. So, you know, nothing changes when you've been playing like you're ready to be 37 since you were 27. Yeah. And just again, the experience that you have with Warford and again, how he can steady the ship a little bit. Again, the, the top golf story at this point, I, I had forgotten about it until you mentioned it. Um, is legendary stuff. We get a, a great, just to Me break too. the ice, try and get guys settled in. I mean, it just, it just helps. And again, this team's chasing a title. That's the only thing that matters at this point. We've gone back and forth, whether it's on this show, Jared, whether it's been in text messages. It's like, who cares what they do? Cause like, just the playoffs, whatever happens in the playoffs is, if they don't win the title or get the NBA Finals, then it doesn't mean anything. But, again, having guys like that for perspective is going to be awesome. And I think it just helps that you have a group of guys you know, that have accomplished a lot together already, whether, you know, it's you, you, take, you talk about JT, JB, and Al, right? They've been on the team the longest of all the people. Like, they've accomplished a ton. Derek White coming up short last year with this, with this group is tough, obviously. You know, Chris Stapps having not experienced a ton of the playoffs, you know, that's, that's going to be – something that's going to be interesting. I think he'll have a lot of pressure on himself, but again, a lot of experience in this team. I think it's going to, it's going to serve them well going forward, but you know, it what's, what's great to me is it seems like everybody's comfortable that being a different guy, like kind of any night. And like, that's the thing, you know, Jerry, we talked a little bit pre-show about, you know, what your upcoming story is. And I'm not going to kind of talk about that at all, but some of the mantra around this team that started to evolve from some of the people that you talk to after games, is like, like, yeah, whatever. Like, it doesn't matter if I score 25 or if I score 10. Like, as long as we get W's and stack W's and have good habits, that's all that matters here. And having a guy like Al, again, who's, again, not impacting winning a ton because he's not playing as much. But when he plays, he does impact winning. Like, having guys like that is just going to be really, you know, important here. And, you know, we talk about forming habits. This team's forming a lot of good habits right now. And I think as they go forward here, they check off some more boxes and experiment with more things. It's just going to get better. But I don't know. I just feel a lot of these, a lot of the guys in this team have gone through a lot of different types of adversity. And Jared, as we go forward here, I just don't see anything that people could throw at them outside of like Eric Spolstra thinking up some sort of defensive scheme that nobody's seen before. Uh, that's going to really trip this team up unless it's themselves just not shooting the ball that well. Yeah, I mean, if if a team can play the way Minnesota played in that first game, that was like the, that was I can't remember if that was their first loss or it was just like their first big loss. Unless first a team can play like that, okay, yeah. So unless there's a team that can really dominate the paint on both ends and just completely disrupt their rhythm on the perimeter, 
then I don't see how anyone's going to beat them. Like, obviously, Milwaukee is the main threat, right? Uh, at least in the East. Like, they're the main threat pretty clearly. Uh, just not just because of how good they are, but they have someone who can beat anything. Like, Giannis can beat anything. We know this at this point. They're also not as well equipped to match up against Giannis, I don't think, as they used to be. So that's the one vulnerability. But as far as, like, obviously this is a team that they're more likely to beat themselves than an opponent is going to beat them. It's can they maintain harmony? Because vibes are really high. Like, they've got, they have, like, up-and-coming young team vibes for a perennial juggernaut. That's like, that's impressive. They're having fun. Luke Cornette is bringing like laughs in the middle of a game where things aren't going well. Like the, you know, all the main guys are going are like, you know, like they're, they're all happy with the balance that they have. No one, I haven't heard privately or publicly any gripes at this point. And I guess that's easy when you have by far the best or not by far, but like the best record in the NBA that makes it easy but there were times, I mean, look at last year. Last year they had one of the best records in the NBA and things were never really quite right. I think what's good for this team is we'll see how it goes if they really face adversity, but obviously health is the big thing. Will somebody get hurt? Uh, will somebody stay hurt? Cause obviously they've had a few guys get hurt. And then during the regular season, I just can't think of anything besides health that'll be an issue. It's really when they get to the playoffs is can their bench be effective? Because the bench hasn't been, it's been, I think, a little bit below expectations. We go to that beginning of the season thing of how they meet expectations. Like Pritchard is starting to come around, but just offensively, he just hasn't been what they needed him to be. It's starting to get better, though. Um, Hauser had, you know, was shooting lights out at the beginning of the year. He hit a big slump. Now he's starting to climb out of it. And then after those two guys, n- nobody has really stepped up for the ninth man role. Like Cornette's been decent, but hasn't been good enough. And so, you know, maybe in the playoffs it won't matter, but, like, they're going to need someone that they can bring in as a ninth man in the postseason when there's foul trouble and stuff like that. And clearly Brad is going to try to find somebody. We'll get to uh, plenty of other things in this show, obviously. We want to take a quick break, though, because we're recording this, not that this impacts you, the listener, the viewer, who knows what time it is for you. But for us... We're coming up on dinner time. Ev, uh, I mean, how are these pre-prepared meals treating you? I mean, I talked about this a while ago, and I'll get more into the story as we get moving here. But we'll take a quick break to tie today's show. is brought to you by Factor Meals. Get started on your resolutions with Factor so you're ready for the new year. Factor is ready to eat. Meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery store, prep work, cooking fatigue. All that stuff that comes with making a home-cooked meal. And instead, get a chef-created and crafted, dietitian approved meal delivered literally right to your door. All you do is open the door, get the box, bring it inside, put it in the microwave. That's it. Over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie-smart, vegan, and veggie, and more, plus over 55 weekly add-ons. You'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your resolution. Skip your over, overpriced takeout trap. Don't do DoorDash. Factor is cheaper and way more delicious than takeout. And get chef-crafted, restaurant-quality meals delivered right to your door, and they're ready to eat in just two minutes. Super easy. I'll be honest with you. A couple weeks ago, I had a holiday party here at my house, and it was very stressful throughout the week to actually eat because I had so much planning and decorating and all sorts of stuff to do. So I basically lived off Factor meals for a week. It made my life so much easier, so much less stressful, and as I move into the new year, 
It's definitely on my radar for, uh, hey, if you need to pick me up, just get a, pa- a factor meal ready to rock and roll. That way you have your night to yourself instead of, like your, like me, cooking for two to three hours a night. Stress less over mealtime. The new year factors. No prep, no mess meal. Set up free time. Otherwise, spend shopping, cooking, and cleanup. No more wasting time in the kitchen. That's the most important part. Head to factormeals.com slash Celtics50. That's Celtics50. Use the code Celtics50 to get 50% off. That's code Celtics50 at factormeals.com slash Celtics50 to get 50% off. So we've got a few more minutes. Uh, I do want to get to a couple of things, one of which we were just talking about, Jared, which is obviously the trade deadline. It's not right around the corner, but it's not all that far away. Something Brad Stevens is, you know, already taking questions on, obviously, from people like yourself out there and, uh, you know, wondering what what does this team not only need, but what assets does it have to play with? What is the most logical target in terms of guys that could spring available? Is it, you know, try and use some sort of uh, an exception or whatever they may have available to them versus waiting for the buyout market? How do you see things playing out? What do they need to address? You know, Steven said big wing. I thought that was interesting because... Joe has been playing a five instead of playing a big wing like O'Shea Brissett or Lamar Stevens this year. Um, and I, I think in the postseason, they probably won't need that five as much coming off the bench. So it, it's interesting to, to figure out, are they going to make a move strictly for postseason rotations or for just this team as it is in the regular season? Because I think the most that they could upgrade at would be either an on-ball scoring wing, which I don't think is quite what he's looking for. I don't think they really have a need for that. Um, or they could get someone who's a little bit better than Kada and Cornette. I don't know if you're even going to find somebody with the six and a half million that they can use to with that Grant Williams TP. I'm sure there's somebody. But the names I've seen floated out there, I don't really think they play clearly better than those guys, and it's worth surrendering, surrendering assets. So... Those, I mean, that's it. Like, if, if you want to get a microwave point guard, that's a more reliable score than Pritchard. That's, that's an option. Those guys are generally easier to find. The wing that they're looking for, finding somebody that's actually useful, it's kind of hard to do that when you're so limited in what you can do financially. Yeah. And it's like brissette has been playing a little bit more lately and bringing a lot of energy. It seems like people are talking about that. Have you been impressed with his play lately at all in the regular season or is it, is it something that's just like a little flash in the pan? He's got a little, 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 caught a little fire here, but it'll subside. I, I'm just not quite sure if O'Shea Brissett is the, is the answer. I like him a lot. Syracuse, obviously Kaufman, you and me are going to always back O'Shea, but uh, do you think he's really carving himself out a role here? No, but he's been, Solid. He's been what you expect from O'Shea Brissett lately. You want someone that's going to fly in there, get a ton of tips and rebounds, somebody that will know when to crash from the corner uh, to get a layup, somebody that will just bring you energy on defense, even if I don't know he has that many good player matchups on defense. So he's been pretty much what we expected. I, I would expect that if they're trying to bring in someone, it's somebody that can do something with the ball, not just someone who can stand there and hit a shot, but somebody that can make some decisions attacking closeouts and just give a little bit more offensive creativity with power. Cause you know, Hauser's been pretty solid at that. It's just that like Hauser's on somebody that lives in the paint. So I think they might want someone that just can finish a little bit better um, while still being decent on defense. So, you know, both Lamar Stevens and O'Shea Percet can 
do some of that, and we'll see. They have to give one of them a chance at some point. You need to know if these guys can do it. And so Brissett's getting that as of late. I think we'll probably see Stevens get more of that opportunity. But, I mean, like, this team's good. They don't they don't have to make a move. They might as well if they can, right, because the TP and the you know one-second-round pick can get you something in this league, and you might as well utilize it. But they don't. They don't have, they don't really have to solve problems. It's not necessary. I think they're that well balanced at this point. Yeah, I agree. So you're out in Indiana for anyone that is unaware of that. There's another test with the Pacers coming up on uh, Monday night, which as people are listening is probably tonight, unless you're catching us shortly after recording. Uh, and then it's back home for a game on Wednesday against Minnesota, the road again Thursday for a back to back that is against the Bucks. And, uh, then, Maybe that Saturday game back at the Garden, uh, but you know we'll we'll see when we have the next show for you. Either either be right before that one or right after that one, uh, but certainly within the next week we'll do it again. Uh, just to promote some of what you've got coming up, Jared. I know you had a, a lengthy conversation earlier with Derek White's dad about the only thing that we didn't do on this show, and I don't feel like we need to because we do it all the time. Is just praise Derek White to death and what he has meant to this team and how great it has been. You joked, I think it was a joke, greatest player in the league right now, MVP, maybe the greatest player in the world. Um, uh, Unless you and his dad have just become, you know, good buddies at this point in time, I'll presume that your chat was for a story. So what can people be on the lookout for in The Athletic? Yeah, I'd be happy to talk to Richard every week. Uh, I'll I'll keep the story... uh, to, to myself at this point, but yeah. I will basically just say, is Derek White an all-star? Tune in to find out. Okay. Very good. The numbers, my, I, is he deserving? Yes. It, just my opinion uh, is it, it, it feels like the numbers could work against him. You know, there are a lot of good players in the Eastern conference, you know, not, not that that's, you know, rocket science. We know it, but you start to really dive in and, and who's going to be there, who isn't, who gets in based on reputation, even if there's someone else that is more deserving. It, it becomes a question of, you know, how many guys can the Celtics realistically send out of, you know, a dozen? And I, I think it's going to be hard to have more than a couple. But we'll see. See how it plays out. He, I, I think the most likely outcome for Derek, if he's going to get there, is he doesn't make the team and then becomes an injury replacement. Mm. Because you look at it, it's like, all right, Halliburton's a lock. And then you have Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson. I think they're probably locks. And then, uh, I'm sorry, I meant to say Damian Lillard. And then, but then there's Donovan Mitchell who just puts up bigger numbers. They've been solid. Uh, so it's like, it's really hard for Derek to make it. Like I know Trey Young's on that list. I think Derek would get it over Trey Young. Um, there's probably another guard I'm forgetting and Darius Garland. I don't know if he would. Yeah, so, but there's probably well, and even, I mean, Maxie, even thank Lillard you. Ter- to me yeah. is one of those reputation guys. Like Lillard shouldn't be an all star to me, it, like at least over some of those other guys. But you know that's had a tough night fun. last night. It was not a great night for Dame against Emay's Houston Rockets. Emay, yeah. nice right. to not mention that name on a weekly basis anymore. Yeah, nice. <laughs> wonderful sure. down downward spiral of last year. All right, well, 2024 is uh, off and kicking and a banging start so far for the Boston Celtics. Other than losing to the sometime soon future champion Oklahoma City Thunder, 
Celts have a couple of straight wins and will look to try and do it again against these Indiana Pacers, who they just took care of on Saturday in what, honestly, for the Pacers was a lower-scoring game. We'll see uh, what what Monday winds up looking like as well. But, guys, always a pleasure when we get to do this. We'll do it again next week. Jared, we will certainly have you on again real soon. Make sure you check him out on social media, Twitter, X, whatever we want to call it these days, and most importantly, on The Athletic, where there's something involving Derek White, Richard White, <laughs> and all-star status to keep an eye out for. For everyone, I'm Adam Kaufman, of course, for Jared. We'll talk to you again soon. Rate, review, most importantly, subscribe. We'll see you later.